Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everybody? How you doing? I am Ben, and I'm with Travis Morningstar. Yes, back from California. Back from California. That was incredible. Thanks, everyone. How did you like Comic-Con? Comic-Con was dope, as always. I love Comic-Con. I walked around on the floor for about 45 minutes to an hour. I got nine t-shirts, really cool t-shirts. Everyone was super dope. Um, The show was awesome in San Diego. The show was also awesome in Oakland. I have to say, the Fox Theater might be the prettiest theater we have ever been in. Yeah. Absolutely gorgeous. And you know who else spoke at the Fox Theater, Mr. Mm. Morningstar? Mm -hmm. Barack Obama. Obama. So we spoke on the same stage. We used the same green room bathroom Yes, Barack Obama. Well, I went to every single bathroom in the green room hoping, and I believe by just mathematical odds, I must have taking a pee in the same bathroom yeah. as Barack Obama. So that's a big deal for me. Yeah, big deal for me. People, people have been asking me how Comic-Con was, and I cannot get this one thing out of my head. On the Adult Swim lawn, uh-huh. there is one guy, his entire job, Adult Swim hired him to walk around the lawn and scream Wubba Lubba Dub Dub mm. to get people hyped up for Rick and Morty. Wubba Lubba Dub Dub. That reminds me of what Rick Perry used to do. Um, <laughs> he was part of like the Hubba Blues. It was he was a he was a he was a cheerleader. Rick Perry was a cheerleader at his university. Oh, and he would do like the Hubba Blue. I think. Yeah, I believe he was a Texas guy. Uh, Marcus would be able to clarify that, being the Texas native that he is. But he was a hype guy for the cheerleading squad. That's what Rick Perry did. Yeah, they probably call it like Charm Lads. Yeah, like. maybe. So he like he did a wubba lubba dub dub. I believe it was a hubba bubba loo. A okay. little bit of a different than a wubba dubba dub dub. Okay. Yes, indeed. Um, but yeah, Comic Con was absolutely great. And then of course we had a a dream come true in Los Angeles. We had a chance to do the Hollywood Forever. Cemetery, and that was just remarkable. 2,500 people. The crowd could not have been cooler. Everyone was just having fun sitting on the lawn, yeah. sitting next to the corpses, uh, drinking. It was BYOB. They had some nice wine. I saw a couple of people with charcuterie, mm-hmm. so they knew how to celebrate and watch my birthday show. Yeah, that's right. You ripped the heart out of a cake. I did. And ate it on stage. I was Indiana forced, Jones style. I was forced to celebrate my birthday. Not forced. My friends have been very good with me because, I, you know, I'm not a birthday guy. But this year I said, I'm doing it. And I went out there. I read a couple of cards that yes. were given to me by listeners. Thank you so much. And I said, you know what? I think I've officially celebrated my birthday. Which you don't. I feel like you're not a birthday. No, you know my saying. Birthdays are for the dying. Funerals. Or for the living. Speaking of the dead, I mean, it was really surreal to see some of the videos that we played projected on the side of a giant mausoleum. It was interesting. Because there is there are, there is a lot of 
there's some Pokemon uh, videos in there. Oh, there's, yeah. there's a man shitting himself. Of course. And just to project that on the side of someone's, you know, where their resting place, that is, that that was truly a breathtaking, surreal moment for me. Absolutely. In a mausoleum, it's very interesting. I don't know if I would go with the mausoleum uh, corpse dwelling. I think I want a nice house. I mean, you know, we live in the city. We live in hotel. Uh, we live in hotels. We number live in one hotels. and apartments. It's apartments and hotels. We're stacked on top of each other twenty four seven. No matter where we go, I feel like when I die, I want a little room to move. Yeah, you know. I mean, but evidently that's what you want when you're dead. You want a lot of room to just like really stretch your legs yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. That's the only time we're ever gonna be able to truly, truly relax in this you world. Re- you truly should. You know, you need to fly first class when you die. You know, absolutely. You, you need to have as much leg room as possible. I completely agree, and evidently Marilyn Monroe, I didn't realize this, and we're going to talk about politics here in a second, but Marilyn Monroe, so she's in a mausoleum. Yes. Evidently, Hugh Hefner purchased the, I guess, room right above her. So Hugh Hefner is currently above Marilyn Monroe, which, you know, I'm not sure if she's like thrilled about that. Even in death. A sleazy pervert. I guess so. But he was also on the front lines of the uh, sexual revolution. So he did do some good stuff as well, um, but perhaps didn't age out of his uh, of his youth in the most. Or out of I don't his know. robe. He never took off the robe. No. no, no, never took off the robe at all. Well, let's see here. I also want to thank everyone who came out. So this past Wednesday at Nighthawk Cinema here in beautiful Williamsburg, Brooklyn, we aired a debut. Yeah. The premiere. The debut of Hail Yourself America, and it was awesome. Thanks so much for everyone who came out. Uh, I think people had a good time. It was so fun. It it was so fun. Uh, And then afterwards, we went to Skinny Dennis. We had some peanuts. We had some burrs. We had some good conversations. Politics were, uh, were the discussion of the evening, and it was truly wonderful. So thanks, everyone who came out, and I'm excited to announce August 11th I will be in Milwaukee, and I will have a link to those tickets in the very near future. So that'll be exciting. And uh, Travis, you truly enjoyed the documentary. I, I mean, granted, I just asked you that very pointed question, and I technically am you know, like, I, I, I pay your bills, and I'm like, just tell me the truth about this thing that I'm nervous about. I thought it was laugh out loud funny um, and inspiring. Very which I think good. maybe that was the overriding message of the of the movie. I hope a bit but of both. There, the, there's a part, and I don't want to spoil it. There's a part where. We, <laughs> It's sort of like a political campaign uh, attack ad yeah. against uh, one of the Libertarian Party Party's leaders, and uh, it really did send me into like a because f- the Libertarian Party. I was there filming that yes. that part, and it really took me back to like Barnes and Noble playing Yu Gi Oh at like a a, a card table mm-hmm. because sure. those people they're very they're very outside of their own head and inside yes. their own head. Uh, they just to see them sort of navigate conversations at a dinner table was extremely <laughs> mind sweeper uh like you didn't know you didn't know how to do it how to how to operate around these people. no they they really didn't quite know how to uh, communicate or converse it is the political equivalent equivalent of course the libertarian party is the political equivalent of what henry has had to deal with with the ufo community yes once you realize that we are actually the ones who are well spoken like we we are the tip of the intelligent spear uh, you can only imagine how far uh, that sword goes down and how janky it could get. Um, so that was wonderful not to uh, not to malign uh, all libertarians all over the country. But uh, the Brooklyn Libertarian Party, I think it was safe to say, needed it to uh, shape up a few things. Yes, they're 
pretty hilarious. Pretty hilarious. On, on, on accident. Well, we got a bunch of uh, news to get to. Obviously, speaking of humor, how great was that? Mueller time. It was Mueller time. Mueller time. I was just I was just slapping my, my veins looking for a... I needed another shot of molar time. I me. know. It's so exciting. Just it's trying like to if, ride the dragon again. If kombucha could speak, Robert <laughs> Mueller, very exciting. So we're going to talk about that. Also, Jeffrey Epstein is back in the news. Evidently, he has a tenuous relationship. We don't really know how strong of a relationship it is with the CEO, Mr. Wexner Next, yeah. of Victoria's Secrets. We've seen some articles calling him Wexler, but uh, we believe it's Wexner. Uh, the CEO of Victoria's Secret. Evidently, he worked relatively closely with Jeffrey Epstein. And obviously, you do have to ask the question then, because obviously, Wexner, the CEO of Victoria's Secrets, he is connected with models. Was he in any way um, aiding and abetting the party favors, for lack of a better term, as Jeffrey Epstein and Clinton and Trump would refer to them? Was he aiding or trafficking these women to Epstein's parties? Uh, we really don't know, but that's an interesting new development as we continue to hear the circle of friends that go around Epstein. I mean, we are going to hear so many prominent names mentioned, and it is not an accident that you don't know the names of the most, the vast majority of billionaires and CEOs because they like to keep a low profile as they slowly control, actively control the world and try to shape it into their favor. Also with Jeffrey Epstein, he was just injured in a jail cell. Uh, but we can talk about that here in a second. Also, I want to talk about uh, this conservative super PAC. The main dude behind it, it turns out he just ended up funneling all of the money given to his super PAC uh, to himself, which I know that's so shocking uh, that someone involved in political fundraising might be in it for the wrong reasons. Is it possible? This dude's name is Kelly Rogers, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. That's a side of political corruption we don't often discuss in this country because let's be honest, the main people behind super PACs are also the main people behind our major uh, media outlets. Yeah. And they don't let these stories sneak through the cracks too often. So this is an interesting one. Um, also, Pete Buttigieg has released a plan to expand workers' rights. We'll break down a little bit of that, go through some Democratic polls. And also, uh, four major automakers have reached a deal with California and it actually has gone against what Donald Trump wanted. So four major automakers have reached a deal with California air regulators to gradually increase fuel efficiency standards, rejecting the Trump administration's efforts to relax tailpipe pollution regulations. So that's a big win for the state of California. So this is an indication, as Jay Inslee, as we've seen with Jay Inslee in, Washington, uh, in the state of Washington, mm -hmm. that you can work with corporations and decrease our uh, carbon imprint. That is the whole point, is that we can work with corporations to do this. And California, I think, made some major strides in doing just that because in reality, we're going to need these corporations to be on the right side of the climate change issue. And, you know, it's definitely a massive issue as we're experiencing right now in New York City. Puffin's almost dead. Puffin is like legitimately dogs don't sweat, but I can see Puffin visibly sweating. Yeah, he's, uh, Puffin is spiritually sweating. He really is. 
And the most important story of the week, in my personal opinion, which I have not heard many people talk about whatsoever, and we're going to talk about it here in one second, right after we talk about the thrilling testimony of Bob Mueller, Bob Barr. Uh, he has now directed the federal government to reinstate the death penalty. So we're going to talk about that and have a debate. But first, let's talk about the political news of the week, which was Mueller time. Mueller Mueller, time. Mueller time. Really exciting, really exciting stuff. He spoke for about five hours, uh, two hours specifically on Russian collusion and how they meddled with the 2016 election. And, of course, they are doing it again in 2020. Don't believe memes. Also take some responsibility and don't believe a pile of horse crap. If yeah. it seems too good to be true, it's true, and it's coming from the Ruskies. And the first three hours of his testimony was all about Donald Trump. Was there collusion and was there obstruction of justice uh, You know, when it comes to firing Comey, demanding loyalty, all of these kinds of things? So this was meant to be the big premiere. This was supposed to be the audio version of the Mueller report. This was going to be the audio book. Yes. But unlike someone who knows how to perform, Robert Mueller refused. He declined to actually read any uh, transcripts. He refused to read any paragraphs, any sentences. Well, he just answered with yes or no answers hundreds and hundreds of times. And I don't think it made for the compelling television that in this case, specifically the Democratic Party wanted it to be. Well, he specifically refused to read the, the portions because he didn't want to become a soundbite. Right. So he made the lawmakers like, no, no, you read it. You do. It's he. He. Uh, it was like a parent looking over a child's shoulder doing their doing their homework. And yes. Like, I'm not actually going to do it for you, but, uh, but yeah. I mean, he and he just everything was just a disp uh, dispassionate recital of so, the Mueller, Mueller report. So the Republican Party, they got to be like, you had 14 people working on this case. They were all Democrats. They got to go with the Republican narrative. Now, this is very interesting because the Republicans took what the Democrats did in 1998 during the impeachment trials, basically not questioning the content of the report, but how the report was put together and with what information. They killed the messenger, in other words. So the Republican strategy is take down this report at its base, at its core, say the entire thing is moot, the entire thing is useless, because the people that gather the information and the information itself was all false. So that plays into the Republican narrative, very similar to what the Democrats did uh, with Bill Clinton when defending Bill Clinton and trying to denigrate the Star report. They yeah. went in and said, who the heck are you, Star? This whole thing is biased. This is a political witch hunt. Now, obviously, things are flipped. So you have the Republicans being like, this is a witch hunt. Everything is biased. This is all Democrats. This is all hyper-political. Then you have the Democrats who were just desperate, desperate for Robert Mueller to explicitly say that he believes Donald Trump should be impeached. Of course, he did not say that he should be impeached. He did answer yes when it came to, like, could he be impeached? The answer is yes. And, of course, could he be charged when he's out of office? That answer is also yes. But you have to realize, so Adam Schiff was talking about, because they asked, asked these questions that were going to have a binary answer, yes or no. And the way that you frame a question as working in television news, you know this, I know this, and anyone who follows uh, you know, television news knows this. You frame a question in a way that solicits an answer that's going to best give you the information that you want to convey. So they would ask a long-winded question, and it could end with, so if Donald Trump was not in office, could he be indicted? And the answer is yes. But they did not say, would he be indicted? Will he be indicted? 
It's simply the law says that if he left office, he could be indicted. So we're really back to nowhere. Yes. So this entire thing, this whole, I don't want to call it a full-on charade because I do think as a public, we it's good to have someone who has been spoken about ad nauseum for the past two and a half years testify under oath. It's good for transparency to have Mueller there. But the most important thing that I learned was that Mueller was actually extremely hands-off. And I don't even think he is, he is too old to be competent enough to actually get this entire thing done himself. Like the people that work for him, when you're watching him, I'm serious. Like everyone, I mean, especially maybe it's just because I'm in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, but people wearing their Mueller t-shirts being like Mueller is coming two years. Media beat the drum. When Robert Mueller comes, when Robert Mueller reports drop, when that report drops, boom, mic drop, Donald Trump is out. Impeachment proceedings are going to happen, guaranteed. And then, okay, that didn't really happen. It was a inconclusive I mean, it was it was a report that did have a lot of information, but they chose not to draw any conclusion. So basically, the end of the Mueller report ends like the TV show The Sopranos, yeah. where it's like, make it up for yourself. Just like, cut to black. Did, did Tony get straight and become a good lawyer? Did Tony go to prison? Did Tony get shot? You can make up any conclusion that you want to make up. <laughs> one of your one of your possible endings was Tony becomes a lawyer. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. But that was really how. Uh, it ended, you know, the Mueller report. So both political sides got to make their own narratives. And this entire thing, again, was just Mueller. I was actually taken aback by, I mean, I don't want to be like ageist here, but he's just another old dude in government. Yeah. Like this was not someone, and I've been arguing this since day one. Like these are not people who are like super hippie. Like they're not trying to sit there and be like, how are we going to derail this president? They are just People who work in an office, and they're even living more boring lives than that because they work for the federal government in a federal government office. So we learned absolutely nothing new. The only thing we learned is that Robert Mueller has a shaky jaw. Yeah, it looks like uh, it felt like. Uh, somebody that was forced to do karaoke and instead of singing they just sort of said the words on the screen that's what i do that's why you got to do wear sunscreen in the arms of the angel uh -hmm. (laughs) honestly what's that one song you gotta wear wear sunscreen remember that one it's just it's literally just someone reading a poem mostly about sunscreen it was for my generation it was a bad one that, that sounds like a, a real old, a golden oldie there. It came out in like 1999. It was, it was, it was powerful. It made a lot of people. I was once at a, a bachelor party, and I don't, I don't like to sing karaoke. And they, uh, I kind of got forced into singing, um, but they kind of roasted me by choosing the song. It's called. There was a song called "My Dingling." Oh, Do you yeah, remember this song? Of course, yeah. So I very, I was very obstinate, and I just dispassionately read the lyrics. My dingling, my dingling. There it is, buddy. I want to play. With my dingling. You are a classic <laughs> Robert Mueller type. Indeed. It, yeah, Although I like. don't think he mentioned playing with his dingling. I don't think he's done that in quite a long time. But for those listening to that or watching that, you know, it is what it is. We'll see if the Democratic Party continues to move forward with impeachment. But again, they only have control of the House. So if they did choose to impeach in the House, it really doesn't matter that much. It could just be a colossal waste of the time. But at the same time, I also understand you want to throw some red meat towards the Democratic base and be like, hey, at least we're trying uh, to get this guy out of office. But again, the best way to get him out of office is to beat him in 2020. 
So that is what happened with the uh, with the Mueller report. You know, I mean, still we we know for a fact. We're, let's not rehash the Mueller report. Honestly, yeah. we know the Mueller report. Everyone knows it already. So whatever you think about it, you think about it. We can all agree. Donald Trump has participated in some scummy activity. He's a total scumbag, most likely fraudulent. And if he does lose in 2020, which I do believe he can lose, and I think he will lose, who knows? The Democratic Party definitely needs to get it together and speak to that middle class and the blue wall of Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin who knows? Maybe Donald Trump does end up getting indicted by the Southern District of New York over some state charges, which would really be a way to get him because, of course, the man is involved in so much uh, real estate, gray area legal real estate that I'm sure they'd be able to get him on something if uh, if they chose to. Yeah, it is. It is funny to see people get their hopes up with the Mueller stuff. It's clearly gone it's clearly like there's the train has left the station as far as any possibility of that making this the kind of seismic effect that you're looking for yeah and really media as i've said before media needed to be ashamed of themselves they should be ashamed of themselves the way they talked about it for two years ad nauseum it really led the american people down a path that was just guaranteed you could see it being created right in front of your eyes just guaranteed to be disappointed. The way that they talked about it, Mueller is coming, Mueller time, all this nonsense on these supposedly legit news uh, television channels and uh, and newspapers. Uh, my God, they really set up the American people to feel like, hey, something was going to happen. And then, of course, again, we realize these are just office workers in the federal government who are going to do things in the most boring, bland possible way. And in some ways, you could argue I suppose it's nice that the FBI is acting as apolitical as possible yeah. in these hyper-political times. Uh, it seems as if that was the one thing with Mueller where all of these politicians were attempting to get him to say the one thing that was going to be used to prove that their side was right. And yes, it made for horrible television. And yes, it was sort of disheartening as someone who wanted to see Mueller just be a little bit more aggressive and a yeah. little bit more alive. Uh, but at the same time, I suppose you could argue that is what the FBI does. They are the FBI. They're not Democrat. They're not Republican. It doesn't matter if the individuals within the FBI identify as Republican or Democrat. The FBI is just, it's it's identified as the FBI. That's the only political party they follow is the Federal Bureau of Investigation. So I suppose in some ways you could see a bright lining and be like, well, at least we don't have a hyperpartisan FBI. Yeah, I think if if any if there's any good takeaway from this kind of like trotting out of the same thing, it is that we can better sort of see the texture of of what are what the partisan alignments are, what exactly yeah. can happen. You know, we have to we have to sort of uh, mitigate our uh, expectations, and we've been mitigating our expectations yes. for you know for years now. But I think this really sets in stone like the big thing that you're looking to happen is really not going to happen and you this has to this is going to be the most incremental journey if we yeah. if anything comes of it whatsoever um, and just just the way the media shoved it down people's throats and uh and on both sides i mean it was just absolutely horrible and i actually feel bad for people who really got hook line and sinker and being like this is gonna do it and again we can do it at the polls in 2020 not to even demean what was found in the report. There's a crap load of damaging information. 
I'm just saying from the political perspective, I do not believe that the Mueller report carried as much of an impact as people on the left or the Democratic Party specifically was hoping that it would carry. This just in, now you can get a smile you'll love for a fraction of the cost of traditional braces with no wires, brackets, or office visits. With today's technology, anything is possible, even straightening your teeth without leaving the comfort of your own home. Visit SmileDirectClub.com to book a free visit and 3D image at one of their smile shops or have an impression kit mailed to you. They'll email you a preview of your new smile. Once you get your aligners, one of the Smile Direct Club's duly licensed doctors will check in on your progress every 90 days. Get the inside scoop on what more than half a million people are smiling about and stop censoring your smile for good. Get started without leaving the comfort of your own home. Find out if you're a candidate by taking the free 30-second smile assessment on their website. And as one of our listeners, you'll get a free at-home impression kit with rebate and $100 off your aligners. Just go to http colon slash slash smiledirectclub.com slash podcast and use offer code TOPAT. Don't wait any longer to get the smile you deserve. Use this exclusive offer to get $100 off at smiledirectclub.com slash podcast with code TOPAT. smiledirectclub.com slash podcast offer code TOPAT. Anyway, but speaking of people who are not impartial, people who work for the federal government that are not uh, nonpartisan, we have Attorney General William Barr. Now, this story, I think, should have gotten a lot more press. We have a massive problem with over-incarceration in this country as we talk about ad nauseum. Uh, Van Van Jones is trying to do some good stuff here. Cut 50, cut the prison population by, by 50%. Uh, obviously, a lot of people in there for nonviolent offenses. Attorney General William Barr uh, has, has ordered that the federal government reinstate the death penalty. Now, of course, I know this is a controversial issue. I have always been against the death penalty because I do not believe and I do not trust the federal government to get it right 100% of the time. And when people's lives are on the line, even one person who was killed innocently is too many. I think rotting in prison is a fine, fine uh, punishment. And let's not forget, you know what the death penalty is? Being born. Oh, that's right. You know, we're already, say, we, we already all have the death penalty. I was going to say, this is a very uh, controversial way to cut the prison population in half. <laughs> So after 16 years without an execution, Bob Barr, Bob Barr has directed the head of the Bureau of Prisons to execute five death row inmates convicted of murdering and in some cases torturing and raping the most vulnerable in our society. And of course, that is the children and the elderly. So obviously these five people are guilty of heinous, heinous crimes. And I understand the reaction to be like, well, we, my, the world is better off if they're not here. However, the irony is, some people might argue, isn't it just cheaper to kill them? The irony is, it's actually more expensive to kill right. them. Yeah. And what, you know, I understand also the idea of closure for these families. I get that. 
that is a, oftentimes something that compels people to say yes to the death penalty. You think about the families of these victims and how horrible it is to have a family member tortured, raped, murdered, uh, you know, the whole thing and how difficult that is for them. I just don't necessarily know if we as a country right now need to be reinstating the death penalty at a federal level. Obviously, this plays into Donald Trump's political base. He's going to be talking about how this is him tough on crime. And it is tough, once again, being a uh, proponent of the death penalty. It is tough when people are like, well, these are horrible scumbags. And it's like, yes, they are. But these people are also behind bars. They're no longer a threat to society and my level of like who should be incarcerated and who should not be incarcerated if they are not a threat to society that's why you know the women Lori Laughlin and that whole thing with like the college admission scandal yeah they need to be fined maybe those kids can't go to those schools there does need to be a punishment but do I feel safer if Lori Laughlin is in prison no I don't think she needs to go to prison uh, but obviously, these people that committed these heinous acts, these five uh, death row inmates, they do need to be locked up. But for me, what is the point of the federal government reinstating the death penalty uh, and executing these people? It just seems to me there is they are no longer providing a public health risk. So they can just sit where they are. And again, they're going to die in the not-so-distant future anyway. And just as a just a complete side note tangent here, some of the names, these are the most electric chair names I have ever heard. <laughs> Wesley Ira Perky. Oh, my. Dustin Lee Honkin. That is a porno name. What did you say, Dustin, Dustin Lee? Dustin Hoffman's du- porno du- is Dustin, yeah, Dustin Lee Honkin. Dustin Lee Honkin. Alfred Bourgeois. Ooh. I don't know if he, he should be the warden. Um, Sounds like it. Lesman Mitchell and uh, Daniel Lee, Daniel Day-Lewis. Uh, Daniel Lewis Lee. Daniel Lewis Lee. I mean, just the oral quality of those names. It's it's very, if anyone's going to die in an, in an electric right. chair, it, it maybe should be a, a Dustin Lee Honkin. Yeah, they all kind of fit. I mean, that's what happens when you do the full three names, though, because it's like Benjamin Grant Kissel. Well, actually, that sounds like someone who, like, I don't even, like, sells horses. I have no idea what my Grant name is. Kissel. I feel like I should have, like, a an ascot and, like, nice boots and, like, little gold, uh, you know, uh, whatever, those little gold buckles on your boots. It doesn't kind of, really, yeah, the, your third, yeah, our middle names don't really, like, Travis Michael Morningstar. I mean, maybe, maybe no, I, that one works. Maybe I do belong in a You sound like an chair. assassin. Yeah, Travis Michael Morningstar. Okay. Sounds like someone who would try to shoot uh, JFK. So this is going back here, talking about the death penalty with the federal government. This move represents a dramatic reversal of more than a decade-long hiatus. Uh, But, of course, this goes back to Donald Trump. This is a key issue for him. He has said on repeated occasions, we want to bring back the death penalty. Now, the death penalty is legal in 29 states, and it technically has always been legal within the federal government. Again, it was just sort of a hiatus that it has been on. There have been no federal executions in nearly two decades, and the number of people facing state executions has been on the decline. So the Bureau of Prisons has adopted the federal execution protocol uh, addendum, which, quote, 
replaces the three-drug procedure. So the question here is, how are we going to kill these people? And I say we because this is the federal government. This is what we pay taxes to. This, that sad thing is, government is supposed to be reflective of the society and the culture. And we have put someone in power uh, that says that this is acceptable for our culture. So how are we going to execute uh, these five people? And again, horrible people. But nonetheless... So they have decided to replace the three-drug procedure previously used, and they are now going to use a single drug, and they're always crazy-sounding. This one's pentobarbital. Yeah. Pentobarbital. Yeah. So it's just going to be a one-drug, a single drug that's going to be used to execute these people. What is it called? Pentobarbital? Pentobarbital. That's that's what it's called. Oh, you know how you make that? How do you make that, is, buddy? Uh, you mix Pepto-Bismol and Barbasol shaving cream. There it is. Very, that, very, very cost-effective, very simple. Absolutely. Very so, deadly. Very, it sounds very deadly. I don't like that one bit. So how many people are currently on death row? There are currently 62. This is at the federal level. There are currently 62 inmates on death row with about the same number of white and black federal death row inmates. That is according to the Death Penalty Information Center. There are about 2,600 death row inmates with California detaining the most. According to the center, the five men named by Barr, three are white, one is black, and one is Native American. Only three federal inmates have been executed in the United States since the federal death penalty was reinstated in 1988 after another 16-year moratorium. So it seems as if this kind of comes in cycles. So the two Democratic senators from California expressed dismay over the Trump administration, and of course that would be Kamala Harris and Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom. So mentioning California, of course, that's the one that has the most amount of inmates on death row. Uh, Kamala Harris, she took to Twitter and said, let me be clear, capital punishment is immoral and deeply flawed. She goes on to say too many innocent people have been put to death. We need a national moratorium on the death penalty, not a resurrection. And Dianne Feinstein said that this is just wrong. But again, these are two senators from a state that is California that has the most amount of death row inmates in the country. Would you say it's safe to assume that reintroducing the death penalty is maybe a actually de-escalated version of a original plan that Trump had for for removing the population of a, a prison? What's that? Like, like maybe the original plan was releasing bears into some of the prisons and then uh, using the uh, leftover bones as like wind chimes and, and you know like is is yeah. the death penalty thing is that actually a de-escalated is that is that Trump coming down? From uh, from the speed and then saying like you know what let's just do death penalty let's not do the, uh, the let's not do the uh, the bears wearing uh, suicide bombs and then sending them <laughs> into the prisons well that's horrible to do to a bear so this conversation is really about do do we want to be a nation that embraces the death penalty at a federal level or do we want to be a nation where our justice system can be seen around the world as something that is humane. Uh, yes, indeed, of course, we will always be punishing people. We do not have to worry about under-punishment in this country. Yeah. Like, that is not the concern whatsoever. People are punished in this nation. So I think that we should be a country 
that at the very least, when it comes to the death penalty, says we are more humane uh, than North Korea, than China, than some, than than Russia, than places that are, in my personal opinion, antithesis to our belief system. And that is why I am against the death penalty, and I'm against Bob Barr doing this, obviously, simply at the behest of Donald Trump because he wants to look tough on crime. But let's not yeah. forget five other people that he called for the death penalty of. The Central Park Five. That's right. Let's not forget one of Donald Trump's biggest political moves of the early 90s was calling for the death penalty. He took an ad the, out took an in ad the out uh, New, New York, York Times. Took an ad out in the New York Times, called for the death penalty of the Central Park Five. This is all just to puff himself up to be a tough man. Again, Donald Trump in prison would last exactly 14 seconds before he was tying his shirt around his belly button and prancing around for the folks there like the good school schoolgirl that you know he is so this is to me political theater and unfortunately it's political theater at the expense of the lives of five people yes horrible horrible people horrible people um, but again we have to remember those uh, who may have been wrongfully convicted and wrongfully put to death much like west memphis three central park five the list goes on and on can you imagine just a world where Damien Eccles and, uh, and that whole crew, where they don't get all the support from Bono, where they don't get the support from Pearl Jam, where they don't get the support from celebrities all over the world, they're corpses, and we never get to hear their story. And that's the one issue where they say, conservatively, 1.5 to 2% of people currently on death row in this country are innocent. That's a conservative estimation. Those are just cases they can prove. Uh, but then we also have to look at cases that may be falling in a gray area. And at the end of the day, once the execution is done, you don't really have many people to talk to uh, to say otherwise that that person wasn't guilty. This administration does not play in the gray areas. They don't play. It is completely black and white. It is remove or kill. That I mean, it's remove people that, quote unquote, do not belong here. or And it's kill people that we've deemed... Uh, bad guys. Bad guys. Bad so, guys. So I mean, all at around. the very least, I who, who whoever ends up being president next, um, I hope I at the very least hope they can experience nuance and subtlety. That would be to, nice to some extent. I would love that. All right. Well, speaking of bad people, this is just a story that reminds us of how corrupt our political system is currently, specifically after Citizens United. Weren't we all united, Citizens? I remember that. Citizens United, obviously, allowing super PACs to, uh, to blossom and grow, uh, giving corporations human status, uh, personhood status, citizenship status, basically. It was the day um, that I, I could legally marry a Golden Corral. Isn't that so nice? Golden Corral became a person. I love that. But how do all these super PACs actually work? And you would think whenever you got millions of dollars rolling around, you are going to have corruption. This is perfect uh, ground for corruption to spread and to blossom. So... Conser there's a conservative super PAC, and it was called the Conservative Majority Fund. It raised nearly $10 million since mid-2012. Okay, so since mid-2012, the Conservative Majority Fund... Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. It's cool. Uh, ...has raised $10 bucks. However, they've only given $48,400 in political donations. So basically, this dude, his name is Kelly Rogers... He was the main man behind all of this stuff. He just got all of this money 
And he was just like, yeah, dude, I mean, you know, I'm helping the political cause. Why can't I just take this? So uh, he has a history of disputes over allegedly unethical fundraising. And one of the largest conservative fundraising companies, Infocision Management Corp., which charged millions of dollars in fundraising fees. So basically, watchdog companies have, like, constantly complained that, you know, there's something going on. Like the ethics laws fail to prevent the exploitation of donors. Uh, And really, these are just scams. Like when my mother bought a star. Yeah. My mother bought a star. It's named Laura Kissel. It's out there somewhere. I have a feeling other people have the exact same star because I think it was all a lie. So Donald Trump's campaign issued a warning this year about dishonest fundraising groups using the president's names to raise funds. And Rogers and Infocision's work on behalf of the ACU which also shows how lax regulation allows big-name political organizations to recruit donors without identifying either the source of the calls or the ultimate beneficiaries of the donations. So this is according to Edev Noti, a lawyer who worked for more than 10 years at the Federal Elections Committee. Uh, They say the individuals or many of the individuals who seem to be profiting off the scam of PACs are the same people who also provide services to mainstream players. They go on to say, obviously, not every political consultant is fleecing small donors, but the consultants who are fleecing small donors largely the way they are able to do it is because they have experience and connections. So this is more of just like a warning to be very careful if you're voting, if you're going to give to a super PAC in favor of uh, Kamala or Cory Booker or Biden or Buttigieg or Warren or Andrew Yang, whatever, just be very careful uh, that you're not just giving it to some dude who's going to sit on it because the law is so gray here, they could probably argue they're just doing everything well within the law. You know, we see this all the time with charities. A lot of charities are just complete and utter money laundering scams. Not all of them, of course, but there are many of them out there that are. Between real estate, charities, and super PACs, those are the three main money laundering scams that go on just in public view. In public view, advertised everywhere. So be very careful that you don't end up being taken advantage of. And I don't know if this is something that happens more with conservatives or more with liberals. I would assume this is a human issue. So I would imagine it's maybe bipartisan, although it's tough know. to say. The rise of right-wing grifters is so prominent now. I mean, yeah, just look at that GoFundMe page for the Let's Build the Wall. For, yeah, and for Roger Stone, I think he has a GoFundMe page right now as well. Packing your toiletries somehow always involves a delicate game of stacking and space hacking. And don't get us started on lotion exploding all over our suitcase. That's why Quip electric toothbrushes work just as well at home as they do on the go. The compact and wireless design tucks easily in the corner of your carry-on or your back pocket if you're just spending the night. Plus, the travel-ready cover protects your brush from sandy swimsuits and luggage slip-ups. And a three-month battery life will last through a season filled with weekends away. They're making it easier than ever to keep up with your wake-up and wind-down routine when you're out of the office. And your whole family will love Quip. The new Quip Kids brush is the same as their original version, just tweaked 
for sized down mouths. Kids are inspired to brush better and more often with oral care that looks and feels like the products the adults in their life use. And they're proud to use Quip. Help them develop a grown-up routine without childish gimmicks. Quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association. They're backed by over 25,000 dental professionals, and they have thousands of verified five-star reviews. And if you're absent-minded a bit like I am, you need Quip. I love that Quip automatically delivers brush heads on a dentist-recommended schedule of every three months for just $5. Quip makes sure I'm taking care of my teeth and I rest easy knowing I'm never using a grimy old toothbrush. That's why I love Quip and why I'm taking it to Des Moines. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash top hat right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack free at G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash top hat. So how do these super PACs manipulate people? And I think you might have a point there, uh, Travis. This may be more, at least in this story, uh, regarding this super PAC, this is obviously uh, how they were able to uh, coerce political or Republicans or conservatives to give them money. So how do they do it? Now, granted, again, the people giving money are complicit in some ways as well, sure. without a doubt. Um, so basically, a day after Obama won re-election, the super PAC changed all of its scripts. And so this is what they told donors. And this is really disgusting. These super PACs truly are disgusting. I mean, they're just like, you know, they're just like televangelists on TV uh, demanding that you send them cash so they can have a, uh, a more so they can have a bigger yacht because Jesus wants them to have a bigger yacht. And when they get a bigger yacht, you're going to get a yacht, too. Of course, you don't get a yacht. Uh, you'll be lucky to get an above ground pool. This is what they said Obama had plans to do. They said, quote, he had immediate plans to pardon terrorists at Guantanamo, give full amnesty to illegal aliens, and give the United Nations the authority to tax Americans. None of which happened. That was so crazy what, when Obama had that yacht party with Osama, and I he like, pardoned all those people. I mean, obviously, the closest we got was the Bo Bergdahl weird trade-off with those five folks. Um, but my God, obviously, that is like extremely hyperbolic, total and utter lie. And that's how these super PACs make money. So just be warned if you're out there, if it sounds too good to be true, if it's, if they are just telling you exactly what you want to hear, playing on your biases, no matter what they are, just be careful. These super PACs are not to be trusted. You can just give donations to campaigns. Believe it or not, they're really good at soliciting your dollars. So just go to the official webpage, and you don't have to participate in all this super PAC nonsense. If you're hearing the sound of Ben's voice and you were considering donating to one of those super PACs, then it, you're, you're too far gone. So go on with your, well, with they your bad self. They launched another one in 2012. The Republicans are already considering Obama investigations as the nation's most effective conservative group. We are launching the official impeach Obama campaign, um, which obviously, again, I mean, my goodness. Anyway, at least from the fundraising perspective, the campaign was a success. In the first six months of the impeach Obama campaign, they raised $1.7 million. So this is just more, again, of an indicator of what is wrong with American politics. These super PACs, we don't need Russia. We don't need Russia to divide our country. No. These super PACs are already doing a hell of a job doing it, and they're making a hell of a lot more money than Russia did doing it here in this country. So we do not need a foreign interference. We don't need foreign interference uh, to tear this sensitive 
fabric apart because, again, the American experiment is indeed fragile. Yeah, I'm sure the American grifters and the Russian interference people are like just shoving each other at the trough of of manipulation, just trying to they they're just like fighting for uh, basically who can scam more people. Yep, who that's can- it, and that's called getting out the vote. All mm-hmm. right. Well, speaking of getting out the vote, let's just do a quick poll update. This is of the poll of polls, and this was the week ending in July 21st, 2019. So the most recent poll of polls that we have. Joe Biden is currently sitting still at 33%, with the second choices being Sanders, Harris, and Warren. I like that this poll includes that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bernie Sanders is at 18%, and Elizabeth Warren, I got to say, she is climbing up. She's at 14 now well within striking distance of her number one primary opponent, other than Joe Biden, of course, but her number one true primary opponent, the one who's taking away a lot of her votes, Bernie Sanders. So she's in within she's within striking distance of Bernie Sanders. And as we saw, Bernie Sanders is now down in New Hampshire. Uh, obviously, he's doing fine in Vermont. But the, the Northeast that used to just be Bernie country, it seems as if Elizabeth Warren is really getting some inroads there. Kamala Harris coming in fourth at 13%. And then we have the next five all under 5%. Buttigieg, O'Rourke, Booker, Yang, Klobuchar, and Castro. And I have to say, Andrew Yang, man, I mean, he's hanging in there. That's for sure. So that's just the most recent polling data. Uh, Joe Biden, still number one, is still the favorite. And we're going to see what happens here on the 30th and the 31st. For the next Democratic debates, Joe Biden is going to have to show up. He does seem to be getting a little bit more defensive as this goes on, and he needs to get more not offensive in the ways of a Donald Trump, but he needs to be going on the offense more and uh, defending himself. He did a campaign ad with a uh, retired union worker where he was making the case that Medicare for All is a bad idea. Like That's his big push right now well he wants to just in he wants to work on the aca he wants to retool the aca from the inside so if he would say medicare for all that would basically be an indictment of his eight years in office of what he did with obama so that's 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 been his position that's where i mean come on like i mean just like you're saying get on the offensive don't like this this sort of like trying to retool or convince the public that is asking for this thing and is clearly the popular thing just like being well, defensive again, about about a thing that he can't change. It's the popular. He can't thing. change his stance on. It's the popular thing within a Democratic primary. Uh, Joe Biden is already playing towards the general, but again, as we saw, he's going to have to play in the primary because people are certainly playing against him. But that has been his message, and he thinks it's going to be beneficial in the primary if he doesn't embrace uh, Medicare for all. Obviously, we need massive expansion of Medicare. And perhaps he would like to uh, do something more in that world. He hasn't come out with a nuanced plan yet, other than saying he wants to fix the ACA from within. So hopefully we can hear more information about that. And he's going to have to. I mean, I think he's really going to have to come out with a nuance because Medicare for all is just a catchphrase. How do you do it? How do you pay for it? He can have different ideas within there. You can play and get the same you you it's it's the strategy of how to get it done because i think everyone agrees we need absolute reform in our healthcare industry so if he can come up with a plan uh that gives people the same end result uh medicare expansion 
but it allows people to stay on their private insurance. A lot of people don't want to get kicked off their private sure. uh, private insurance. That's 140 million people. I think there's some wiggle room in there, but I would like to hear some articulate policy coming from him. And that's why Elizabeth Warren, in my personal opinion, is going is rising uh, in the polls because her catchphrase, which I just love, is I have a plan for that. Yeah. And she seems to have a plan right. uh, for a lot of things. And that's because if you go back and watch her C-SPAN interviews from like 2004, she's been talking about this stuff nonstop. I spoke with someone who actually worked on their campaign after our show. Uh, after our Hail Yourself America premiere, after that debuted, and they were saying, I've worked with Elizabeth for uh, since 06, I think. She, they're like, she has never changed. Never changed. She has been on this message since day one, much like Bernie Sanders. Yeah. But unlike Bernie Sanders, I just don't find her to be so upset. <laughs> like I like her more. She is Her big issue was like likability. I don't think she's doing a bad job. I think she's doing a good job of being likable. I like her. I think the only way you could improve Bernie is if you threw some boxing gloves on him. That would make him look really cool and uh, feisty. So speaking of candidates trying to stay above the fray, Mayor Pete Buttigieg has released a plan. Basically, what he wants to do now is strengthen the union bargaining power, raise the minimum wage to $15, and offer paid family leave national paid family leave, uh, which I think is something that we do need in this country. Obviously, when we talk about people being kicked out of the workforce, oftentimes it is because a child is born. Now, granted, that is something that they have planned for and whatnot, but I don't think there's anything wrong with offering family leave. It's something that every other industrialized nation has, every other Western nation has, and I think it would make quality of life much better in this country. And that's what the Democrats have to continue to run on, quality of life issues. That's why when we talk about impeachment and all that stuff, it's like, okay, cool. All of that political stuff is cool. How are you making my life better? National paid family leave. Great. Now I have something. $15 minimum wage that would go with, and of course we have, I would like to see that, you know, a, a specific policy that doesn't necessarily target so many mom and pops and places that might not be able to to afford it uh, because we live in a world now where I frankly believe Amazon employees should all get $50 an hour. It should be it should be based on what the company is bringing in. Yeah. What are their profits? How much can they actually pay their employees? And it needs to be a much higher percentage. I mean, what is what do you what's Bezos's percentage over the average worker there it must it must be like a hundred fifty thousand more a million more it's just a weird number i mean it's just so like it's so much more i think we we we're like such bastards to to uh especially particularly like people seeking maternity leave we're just absolute bastards to them and you know there's a lot of men who are doing it now as well this isn't just a um just yeah parental leave in general yeah Uh, i think we need to also mandate like lunchtime naps by the river. Ooh, yeah, that's a very I love European that. thing in Germany. Uh, people are just bathing in the sun next to the to the river. I think you that's, know how those Germans love to tan. They're so my, good at it. That's what that would be. My platform is institutionalized napping by the river. I like this plan though. When it comes to and when I say plan, I mean Pete Buttigieg's plan. He want this proposal would impose a national ban on state right-to-work laws, these, quote, right-to-work laws. This is what this piece of crap over in Wisconsin did, Scott Walker. Right-to-work is an absolute and utter lie. It's a union-busting lie that basically says, hey, are you in a union and you don't like it anymore and you can't work because they're protesting? We're going to give you the right to work. It is 
you know, they always write these bills as if they're so good and holier than thou. Like, this is definitely beneficial for you, without a doubt, of course. And actually, it hurts the working class immensely. So get rid of the right-to-work state laws. Scott Walker, one of the biggest corporate takeovers in a state in Wisconsin's history, without a doubt. And I actually answered a question uh, of one dude who was at the premiere, again, of Hail Yourself America. Can't wait to see you in Milwaukee on August 11th. But he was talking about he just got into the union. And obviously there is some corruption. Unions can have some corruption. It's a human institution, without a doubt. But right now... Unions need to stay strong, specifically in states like Wisconsin. Unions have been under attack, without a doubt, uh, within this administration. Federally, not so much under Obama. Uh, federally, under uh, W. Bush, a lot. But on a state level, unions have just been attacked, eroded, downgraded, completely and utterly abused by the state governments in so many of these places Workers are having their health care, their pension, having their uh, wages stagnant, their pension and their health care taken away. Uh, you know, and these are very dangerous jobs. And of course, as soon as they want to unionize or as soon as they want to express their bargaining rights, they want they want a right to bargain their, their salaries. They want a right to compromise. Uh, the companies will just say, you know what? Screw it. This is too much work. Let's make them all automated. Let's get everybody replaced by a robot. And next thing you know, we have a country of people who are in desperate need. This is why, I mean, this is all connected when it comes down to Medicare for all. Why is that resonating so much? Because people either have lost their jobs or they're concerned about losing their jobs. And once that happens, how the hell are they supposed to get health insurance and the things that, quite frankly, should be much more accessible in this country because these are vital to people's lives and to keeping them alive. So our unions have been completely and utterly decimated on a state level all over this country. So I like Pete Buttigieg's main plans, uh, you know, the, uh, the leave, family leave, protecting union strength and making sure that they have a right to bargain at the table and not just get a bunch of mouth service. Because that's, uh, you know, that just seems to be a common practice now where people, they tell you one thing, they do another, and by the end of it, you've lost all of your rights, you've lost all of your power, and this is why we have a crisis among, in so many communities, certainly when it comes to opioid addiction. I mean, the whole thing, everything kind of comes together. So Pete Buttigieg laying out some policies uh, that I think are beneficial, and I hope to hear him talk about those policies uh, a little bit more, again, in the upcoming debates. So Buttigieg says he will empower the National Labor Relations Board, the body that governs collective bargaining, to issue multi-million dollar penalties to companies that violate employees' rights. The penalties would scale automatically with the company's revenue. That's according to Buttigieg campaign. So I think that that is... Um, a step in the right direction, and I'm happy, again, to just hear actual policy. So Buttigieg also said he would seek to provide up to 12 weeks of paid family and medical leave under the Democratic Family Act. He would also support legislation requiring predictable work schedules and increased funding for wage theft enforcement. So there you go. We got a little bit of detail. And just lastly tonight, four major automakers have reached a deal with California air regulators to gradually increase fuel efficiency standards, rejecting Trump administration efforts to relax tailpipe 
pollution regulations, the agreement between the California Air Resources Board and automakers Ford, Honda, Volkswagen, and BMW covers about 30% of new cars and SUVs sold in the United States. It presents a direct challenge to the Trump administration's plans expected to be formally announced later this summer to roll back. They want to roll back tougher tailpipe pollution standards put in place under President Barack Obama. The fuel efficiency rules are key to reducing U.S. emissions of carbon dioxide and other gases that contribute to global warming. Cars, trucks, and other forms of transportation are the biggest source of U.S. emissions, accounting for about 30% of the total. So this is a big step in the right direction. The fact that they were able to get these four automakers on on board uh, and say, yeah, we will start reducing emissions. We can do that. There's no reason why they can't do that. Yeah. It's just something they have to change. It's just like when FDA would go in and say, your, your paint is toxic. Get the lead out. You got to get the lead out. So this is something that I think is a step in the right direction and something that's not going to hurt industry. It's not going to hurt anything. It's only going to help the environment. Even if it does trickle down, I don't even, I mean, I don't know what the trickle down cost will be to the consumer if it is anything. So I I think this is very And this is not an act of benevolence on the automakers part. The 14 states were siding with California with the the Obama era regulations. And so the remainder of the states, essentially the automakers would have been forced to create two different cars for the entire country. They'd have to create the gas guzzler for uh, the for the states that still mm. followed uh, Trump's new regulations, right. and then they'd have to create the sort of Obama era clean regulations uh, that California and those other states. So it'd be there'd be like pa- it would be a patchwork of kind of smog cities and uh, the Obama era regulation uh, sort of efficient car cities. So you'd know that you're when you're driving into a uh, a Trump regulation state because there'd just be a giant cloud of uh fucking gas in the air well you know it is interesting and of course if you're one of these companies hedge your bets and just assume that these trump policies when it comes to the environment are not going to be here in two years absolutely yeah so just hedge your bets and you know go down the right direction of course the epa which is led by you know dummy dumb fuck the the hubbubaloo guy rick perry rick perry that's right um so he's in charge of the epa Uh, They have spent more than a year working on new, more lenient standards with the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. This is according to an EPA spokesman, Michael Abood. He said, this voluntary framework is a PR stunt that does nothing to further the national standard that will provide certainty and relief for American consumers. The Trump administration has proposed freezing miles per gallon targets after 2020, a rollback that its own calculations show would increase daily gas consumption across the United States by 500,000 barrels a day, which of course means you are going to the gas station more and you are paying more at the pump. But it's good for the oil companies, and what's good for them has been good for a lot of administrations throughout this country's history. What a gremlin. What a, I mean, like, there's just, <laughs> <laughs> there's just... It's just so... I don't know, egregiously just what an idiot thing to do to like purposely like drag back the country in this way. Ways that And no one clear, asked for it. Yeah, nobody well actually just fix the freaking cars. I don't want to go to the gas station. The, auto, the automakers did ask for of this. Of course they did in secret. And now they're actually regretting it. They opened uh. up Pandora's box because they opened 
Trump's little treasure chest brain, and then they're right. like, oh shit, he's actually going to do these things so much so that it's going to cause us an amount, uh, an immense amount of headache. So oh, th- th- this is them like trying to stuff back Trump's, uh, you know, horrible nature back into uh, back into the office. Uh, because they asked well, for it. They asked for like, hey, can we get a little bit more lax on these things? And then Trump out. was like, don't worry, I got you. I'm going to make this country uh, just a hellhole. I love it. Um, all right, everyone. Well, there you go. Those are a couple of news stories of the week. Thank you all so much for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Ben Kissel and on Instagram at Ben Kissel. One, feel free to DM me. And thanks once again to everyone who came out to the premiere of Hail Yourself, America. Uh, that was awesome. And I will see you all on August 11th. I am quite thrilled about that. And uh, yeah, I guess that's about it, right? Wubba lubba dub dub. Wubba lubba dub dub. Hail yourselves, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Yeah.